Hello and welcome in. It's time for the debut episode of the 48 Minutes Podcast. I'm Ross Geiger, the host of the podcast, and just want to tell you a little bit about myself before we get started here. I was a video coordinator in the NBA for seven NBA seasons, working with the Milwaukee Bucks, Phoenix Suns, and New York Knicks. I'm thrilled to be joined alongside my co-hosts, Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and Michael World Be Freer. Guys, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Thanks, Ross. It's great to be here with you and World B. Uh, I'm a 32-year veteran at ESPN. I oversaw our NBA studio shows for about 15 years, uh, coordinated Sports Center coverage at the NBA Finals, uh, worked with the analysts, talked to every team, talked to the league, have a lot of contacts around the league and a lot of people that hopefully will join us on this show. I started Pure Hoops Media uh, after I left ESPN. We did about a thousand podcasts, but now I've taken my talents to the Believe Network to work with you guys doing podcasts and hopefully all you guys will, uh, and gals will listen into us uh, moving forward. World B. Thank you, Bruce. I am a veteran of 20 plus years of ESPN, uh, working on number of shows, uh, my favorite being NBA Tonight for about four or five seasons as a researcher for them. Absolutely. That's where the nickname World B. Freer was actually originated. Thanks to a producer, uh, Eric Smith, name drop in there. And after leaving ESPN, I joined up with a company called Stat Factor. And what they do is provide pregame research materials for announcers for various sports and various networks. And what I do is I write uh, pregame advanced stats reports for announcers for the Milwaukee Bucks, the Portland Trailblazers, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Warriors, um, the New Jersey Nets, and some NBA TV analysts from time to time. Uh, it's the sport I love more than any other, and it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you guys for the brief intro. I think that gives our listeners a little bit better feel of uh, who they're listening to here today so that they know their personnel moving forward. Let's tip things right off here and get started with the Golden State Warriors. Got some bad news today uh, surrounding Steph Curry. Going to be out a few weeks. Bruce, have some thoughts on the dubs? Yeah, well, in that Wednesday night game against Indiana, uh, Steph suffered a partial dislocation of his left shoulder. They did an MRI on him on Thursday, and he's going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. So uh, he's irreplaceable. He averages 30. He's the leading assist guy with just under seven, and he's the second leading rebounder at 6.6. There's no way for him to be replaced while they're gone. So uh, we'll see if they can hang on. They've got four more games on their current road trip, and we all know their road record isn't uh, very good. So uh, we'll see if they can uh, kind of buck up and get their act together without Steph. What do you think, Michael? I think it's really obviously a difficult loss, and what is a difficult season for the Warriors, nothing like we expected coming off a championship. Their issues on the road are really uh, surprising. They were one of the best defensive teams in the league last year behind only the Celtics. And this year, they're the second worst road defensive team, giving up 118 points per 100 possessions. Only the Spurs, who are just a train wreck homer road on defense, are playing worse on the road, 2-13. and 13. And you're right, Steph is just out – he was never getting mentioned as a MVP type candidate because of all the other guys or whatever and their record. But he, there's only one other player doing 36 and six in the NBA right now. And that's Luca. 
It's Steph and Luca doing that. So my bet, my one of my incredible stats of the season so far is the Warriors when Steph is on the court, as opposed to when he's off, they score 19 more points per 100 possessions when Steph is on the court than when he's off. When he's off, they are under a point per possession. Which so now what are they going to do? The defense is bad, and now your best offensive player is out. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you got to do there, World B. Uh, Jordan Poole is going to have to put his money where his mouth is. All right. They paid him big time cash this offseason. He's going to be a guy that has to step up. Other guys uh, on that roster that are going to have to contribute big time now. Dante DiVincenzo uh, coming over from Sacramento. Of course, he had a nice, successful stint with the Milwaukee Bucks um, when they were in their big playoff run. So he's got some experience behind him. And then some of those younger guys are going to have to step up as well. Jonathan Kaminga is going to have to really step up offensively. He always brings the defense, but he's going to have to continue to bring that athleticism on uh, the offensive side of the floor with, with Curry's absence. And, you know, they're, they're just waiting here, you know, biting their nails, hoping Andrew Wiggins can get back. I mean, he is such a huge puzzle piece to that team. They need Wiggins back. They're going to need Wiggins to have the ball in his hands a little bit more, working out of screen and rolls, and uh, should be interesting to see what they do. You know, Draymond Green has had, you know, decent numbers this year, but, you know, I don't think you can really rely on him to up his scoring too much. So I'm glad you mentioned DiVincenzo because he's really a guy like, here's your chance, Dante. You know, you came out of college with a lot of hype. You've been okay. Uh, you've been a role player, but I think now, I mean, he's probably going to be looking at what? Probably, you know, 28 to 30 minutes a game, perhaps, yeah. with, with Steph not in there. So this is really his big chance. And we haven't even talked about Clay Thompson yet. We haven't mentioned Clay, who, when did he just decide to be, I'm only shooting a three kind of player? Because that's really what he's become. He's a 38%. He's shooting much better from three-point range than last year at 38%. But overall, he's shooting just 40% from the field, and he's only taken about five or six shots inside the three-point line. When did he decide, I'm just going to devote all my time to shooting threes? I mean, he, they need his all-around game and need him to pick up his scoring, obviously. You know, Steph led the team in scoring in 19 of their first 29 games. The only other three guys to lead the team in scoring, um, the aforementioned Jordan Poole five times, Clay three times and Andrew Wiggins twice. So I don't really know, you know, how much they can really, um, you know, I mean, who's going to be their, their stud every night. Is it going to be pool? I mean, he's averaging just under 18. What do you think Ross? I mean, who's who, which of those three guys do you think is going to have to increase their scoring the most in Steph's absence? I think it's going to be the guy that's going to have the ball in his hands, the primary uh, ball handler. It's going to be Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole's really got to step up, become much more consistent from the outside and just overall from the field. Uh, he struggled a little bit this season uh, finding his rhythm, and uh, they're going to need him to do that really fast here. Um, another interesting thing with this franchise is they're typically a team that is very patient on the trade front. Um, I know that we're going to talk about trades a little bit later on on the podcast here today, um, but they might need to you know start to put that in motion and. You know, desperate times call for desperate measures. Right now, they're a game under 500. Uh, they are in the last playoff spot, uh, last play-in tournament spot at the moment. And uh, they got a guy in James Wiseman that might have some value to some of these underachieving teams 
around the NBA. And, you know, if they can pull the trigger and bring in another contributor, I think they're at that point in time where they need to start considering that. They have to set up their defense. It, it, we talked about who's going to pick up the scoring. The minute they start playing better defense, their world gets a lot better with or without Steph. The only way they're going to – they got to keep the scores down. They got to pick up the defense if they really want to stay where they are right now. You know, you mentioned they're 2-13 and 13 on the road, and, and they have four more road games on this trip at Philadelphia, at Toronto, at the Knicks, at Brooklyn. I mean, they could lose all four of those games. Um, but then they come home for eight games in a row, which will be hopefully an opportunity for them to kind of get their footing, you know, without Steph. But some of the teams they're going to be playing at home are some pretty hungry teams. Here's, yep. here's who they're going to be looking at at home. They're going to be uh, in that eight games. They're going to look at Memphis. Okay. Much, much improved. Well, not much improved, just really good. Charlotte, Utah, hungry team. Portland, hungry team. Atlanta, well, they're a hot mess. They gave up 50 to Orlando in the first quarter on Wednesday <laughs> yeah. night. They're, Atlanta's, at, they're a mess. But then Detroit, uh, missing Cade Cunningham. Orlando with the incredible Bull Bull. And Phoenix, who's also been kind of, you know, stumbling lately. So, uh, you know, we, we're we really going to get a chance to see, you know, what Golden State's made of. Because out of those eight home games, I mean, they could lose four of those. Yeah. Let's face it too, Bruce, kind of just adding to that here. They're the defending champions. And if we know one thing about defending champions, you always have a target on your back. You know, they're the defending champs. Everyone's going to bring their A game against you, especially a team that's embarrassed teams in the past, just, you know, shimmying, knocking down threes and, you know, talking a ton of trash. I mean, I think other teams are out for blood against this team and uh, the Warriors really got to get it going. To your point, to your point, how many times did you go to Orlando, the Warriors come to Orlando and there's bigger crowds cheering for the Warriors, for Steph and everybody. Yeah, their teams are going to be licking their chops at the opportunity to get back at them. No question. Hey, Ross and Mike, remember in the preseason, I'm sure you do, it was the video was everywhere, when Draymond Green cold cocked Jordan Poole seemingly for no apparent reason. I'm just wondering how, if has that had any kind of effect on the team's psyche going into the season? Because look, this is one of the worst sort of first thirds of the season for a defending champ that you really can remember. And I'm just wondering, you know, did everyone kind of pretended like we're okay, we're okay. I'm wondering, are they really okay? And of course it's speculation on our part, but you guys have been around. What do you all think? You think that has had any kind of a lingering effect on how they've played? I I totally think it, it has. I think it's kind of still a monkey in the room as far as an awkwardness um, that that situation did happen um, amongst that group, a, a group that, in years past has had tremendous chemistry. I think they lost a lot of that chemistry in the offseason. We saw one of their best defensive players, the mitten, Gary Payton Jr., head off to Portland. He's due back here soon. Wouldn't it be nice to have him as part of this team? And Steph Curry's brother-in-law, Damian Lee, signed a one-year deal in Phoenix. He would be another piece on the perimeter for them. But I think more so than just the basketball side of things, I think those guys in particular were gel guys in that locker room. And, you know, now you're inserting guys like Dante DiVincenzo, not to say he's not a good guy, but he just doesn't have that chemistry to kind of get them back to uh, smoother waters as, uh, 
you know, Dante DiVincenzo walks in and, you know, he can't just speak up in that in that locker room amongst those type of guys and, and kind of settle things down. So, um, you know, I, I absolutely think it played a factor. What do you think will be? Well, I'll put it this way. I don't I don't know what negative impact it had, but it certainly hasn't been a positive impact on this team. Sure. So there's only other, one other way to go. It's that uh, it was the beginning of what has said at the top has been a really surprising season. That was the first part of it. And it really, they haven't had any uh, comfortable moments really for this franchise, for this team since then they've had some good moments. They got the offense just outside the top 10 after it was struggling. And we talked about how the defense has really fallen off. There just hasn't been a comfort level with this team since that moment. And the losses are mounting. They're under 500. So yeah, I don't know if it's had a negative effect, but it sure hasn't been positive. Yeah, speaking of uh, comfort level, let's talk about a team out east. The New York Knicks starting to kind of find their stride here. I know that makes you happy, World B. Um, man, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and their new leader and Jalen Brunson on a five-game win streak, one last night in Chicago on the road. World B, we'll start with you as the Knicks fan here. Uh, tell us a little bit about your – New York team. They were a team that for the most of the season had just been it really a blah team, just an average team. Listen to this. They were at various points during the season, one and one, three and three, four and four, five and five, six and six, seven and seven, eight and eight, nine and nine. I mean, that's a definition of blah. No, no <laughs> momentum one way or the other. They just weren't doing anything. And now they, you know, they got blown out a few games ago by Dallas. And then ever since then, it's been five in a row. They've really picked it up. They've scored 120 points for 100 possessions in three out of their last four games. It's it's really been an impressive uh, display. Their defense much better. They're now top 10 in defense, which is where they should be under Thibodeau, and they weren't last year. Um, you mentioned Julius Randle. He's been playing well. Um, R.J. Barrett really had nowhere to go but up. Let's Let's be honest yeah, here. He, yeah. he was the worst shooter in the league. They're just by numbers. He was the worst shooter in the league. So he had nowhere to go, but up and Jalen Brunson's been terrific for them. There hadn't no complaints at whatsoever. I'd like to see a little more of a three pointer, but he's been terrific. 30 points the other night. No, no issues on my end. You know, they're riding a five game winning streak going into the weekend, going into Friday. They're five and one in December. They have a better record than the Warriors. Okay. Nobody was probably <laughs> expecting that. Um, they've lost Obi Toppin. He's going to be reevaluated in another one or two weeks. They can definitely use him back. You know, he gives them some exciting high, high wire act video and exciting for the fans. Um, but they really do, they, they have a big three, right? They've got Randall averaging, you know, almost 23 and nine. Uh, Brunson, as you mentioned, averaging 20 and over six assists. And Barrett is playing a nice all-around game, you know, 19, almost six rebounds, three assists. And one of the things that I look at when I'm trying to figure out, do I like a team or not? How are they on the road? The Knicks are good on the road. They're eight and six, you know. They're so, in the home. Yeah. They're better uh, yeah, road record than the home record. Exactly. Um, and they're, and they're, you know, what, and again, I remember the late, great Dr. Jack Ramsey, we were talking about, well, how do you determine whether a team is a good defensive team? And he said his favorite stat was opposing field goal percentage, opponent's field goal percentage. The Knicks are number two in the NBA in that category right now, trailing only Milwaukee. 
They also make their free throws. They're an 80% free throw shooting team. So they're not leaving points on the on the floor, you know. So that's going to always help you in a close game, right? So, uh, Ross, you spent some time in New York. Uh, what are your thoughts about that squad? Yeah, I've been very interested in kind of Tom Thibodeau's ability to kind of switch out some chess pieces with some of the other contributors on that team. Uh, one that's really stood out as of recently is the young uh, swingman in Quinton Grimes. He's starting to put together a solid season, coming up with big plays, big shots. He had one the other night at late in the shot clock, late in the game, knocked it down from three on a tough pass. It wasn't even in the, the shooting pocket. Um, he's really stood out. Mitchell Robinson was hurt to start the year, kind of in and out uh, of availability. Um, he's kind of putting together some momentum here, uh, which is great to see for them as they they just gave him a nice little payday uh, this summer. And then uh, they've benched Fournier. Um, that you know Tom Thibodeau is famously known for playing his seasoned veterans, and uh, he's elected to go with a, a young gunner in Grimes. That's you know competing on both ends, and uh, Fournier is not seeing the minutes that he probably thought he would see all year long. So they're kind of switching some of the pieces up, and it seems to be working. Uh, for New York. Here's a stat on, on the Knicks to Bruce's point about their defense. The first 23 games of the season, they were 10 and 13 right after the Mavs loss. They hadn't held a single team under a point per possession. So in the last five games, they've done that three times. So they've really stepped up to D along with picking up the offense and scheduling helps. Uh, but they're, they're playing, they're playing their best ball of the season. And now they're, they're a factor in the East, at least in the middle of the East. You know, that Atlantic division is really very strong. All five teams in that division are top 10 or 10th place or higher. So if the season ended today, all five of the teams would be in the play-in games or better. So that means that, you know, going down the stretch, they're going to, you know, they're going to have, they're going to be a battle-tested team when it's all said and done because they're going to be playing Philly and they're going to be playing Boston and, you know, and, and Toronto, whatever. So, um, you know, I think things are definitely looking up. And, and one last thing I like about them, they're a good rebounding team. They're, second, mm-hmm. they're third in the league in rebounding. So, you know, defense, rebounding, it's almost like in football. You know, you have to run the ball and play defense. And in the NBA, if you take care of the ball, you rebound, and you, you know, you make free throws, you know, that, that's a recipe for success. Yeah. One interesting thing I'm continuing to look out for with the Knicks is, of course, uh, no secret at this point, Cam Reddish, not happy with his role, hasn't really, you know, gelled well with that team as far as finding consistent minutes and uh, productivity went out on the floor. He's had some good games, but, eh, you know, he's kind of just uh, trying to figure things out. So, you know, December 15th, uh, which will be the next point that, you know, definitely want to get to here on 48 Minutes here today. Where could Cam Reddish end up? I think he's definitely very serviceable, another young, uh, talented player that still has a lot to to grow into his game, and and I think there could be some suitors out there. Um, but December 15th, which is today, it was the deadline for uh, the restriction that applies to players who sign contracts in the offseason. And, now it enables teams to move more players and salaries around, uh, making it a bit less tricky in trade negotiations. So this year there were 74 players in total uh, signed in the summer. They are now available to be traded, and it makes the teams, GMs, and even the trade machine fanatics very happy because now they're able to get to work. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a, you know, there's, you know, we, we were all going to sort of pick a team that we thought, you know, what do they yeah. need and what can they try and get? Uh, I'm always happy to lead off with the Los Angeles Lakers because as a Celtics <laughs> fan, you know, they're, they're our number one frenemy, right? Uh, yeah. Some would say enemy. I don't feel that way. I like the Lakers, even though I like to see Boston beat them. But the Lakers, they're really, they're on the, they're on the brink of not even making it into the play-in from what I see. They, they need shooters. They, you know, they're top. I mean, they're, they're number 30. They're last in the NBA and three pointers made They're last in the NBA and three pointing shooting percentage, 32%. Uh, their best three point shooter is Lonnie Walker. The fourth uh, Austin Reeves isn't bad, but LeBron's under 32%. Russ is just over 28% and Dennis Schroeder's under 26%. So how, what can they do? I mean, well, they, they need some, they need some three point shooters and, Again, I think somebody like Eric Gordon could be a buyout candidate in Houston. It might be somebody that they could pick up on the cheap. He's making $19.5 million this year. So if they picked him up halfway through the season, they'd theoretically only be on the hook for 10 But another guy I was thinking about, and I don't know if it's realistic or not, but Buddy Heald in Indiana, he's, he's a 30-year-old guy on a team that's really kind of going into that youth movement. If they could somehow or another swing something for Buddy Heald, I think he could be a guy that really helps the Lakers get up into the actual playoff picture instead of uh, down at the bottom. I mean, he's he turns 30 this weekend. He's seventh in the league and made threes, and he's shooting over 38%. So that's a pretty good percentage for a volume three-point shooter. So uh, if I'm Rob Palenka, I'm looking at seeing if I could get Buddy Heald. But if not, if I'm going to the bargain table – Maybe look at Eric Gordon when, when and if Houston buys him out. World B, any team come to mind that you're keeping an eye on? Uh, I'm not keeping an eye on teams as much as I am players just to see okay. some of these guys. You know, John Collins gets mentioned all the time. Yeah. Um, ever, ever since he signed his contract, I think. But I think his contract just makes it really difficult. His career is – he's kind of uh, – I don't want to say falling off because his numbers are so decent. But, you know, just a few years ago, he was a 2010 guy for a season that got him his contract. Mm -hmm. And he hasn't really been approaching that since. And it's been a downward decline. He's still got about 75 mil left on his deal that somebody's going to have to pick up. But it sounds like there are teams that maybe would be interested in him. Uh, Bogdanovich over in Detroit is having a tremendous season. And to the point where the Pistons are really unsure if they want to let him go. He's a veteran, so he would be a candidate for them to move on and get more young pieces for their already young roster. But he's had such, from what we read and hear, has such a positive influence, that, and he's been so productive. He would be, if somebody can grab him, they would really be doing themselves some good because he is, he gets the rep as a shooter, perimeter guy which he is, but from the painted area inside away from the restricted area, that painted area, he's top 10 in the league from the mid range. He's top 10 in the league from the corner. He's top 10 from the above the break area. He's top 10. He's a quality all around shooter this year. And if somebody can get him, I think they got to give up a little more than they probably like for somebody like him, but if they can do it, you're getting quality. I think. Yeah, I tend to agree there, and great points there with the stats. I mean, numbers don't lie there. A uh, team that I'm looking at, 
uh, is in the Valley of the Sun. The Phoenix Suns, obviously, they've been struggling. We could certainly, you know, go down a laundry list of reasons why that is happening. Um, but they need bigger wing help. You know, they need some toughness. Or as uh, former son P.J. Tucker would, would say, they need a dog. And there's not too many of those around the league. Um, so kind of keeping my list short here, more realistic to guys I have in mind for Phoenix. Um, starting in Charlotte, uh, a one-time son and fan favorite, Kelly Oubre. Oubre is a, on, a, on a team that's certainly going nowhere this year. They will be in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. Uh, Kelly Oubre coming in could certainly provide a boost, some energy uh, to that squad, maybe even off, off the bench in the second unit. And uh, he at least brings some flash. They need some energy. Right now they're a little too dull uh, in the games that I've watched uh, of the Suns this season. Uh, Kelly Oubre is on an expiring contract, I believe. So, um, you know, they could certainly make the, the numbers work there and throw in a couple picks, uh, second rounders or whatnot. Um, and then another guy that comes to mind in Houston, Eric Gordon, as Bruce already had mentioned, he has been uh, a talk around Phoenix for years. I mean, I remember back when his uh, brother was playing at Arizona State, he almost even signed a free agent deal with the Suns. Um, ended up not happening. But Gordon has been linked to Phoenix in the past. Um, and another guy on the Rockets that's now being linked, which I, I kind of like, K.J. Martin, Kenyon Martin's son. Very athletic, 3-4 guy. Um, definitely brings out the highlights a lot like Toppin. Um, having a good season. He's having a really great season. He's starting to shoot the ball a little bit better from the outside as well. And he kind of reminds me of a younger Jeremy Grant, almost like Jeremy Grant was when he was on the Thunder. I could see him not as long as Jeremy, but he blocks shots at, at the rate Jeremy can. Um, and if he can continue to develop and grow and get some more minutes, uh, I, I think he, he could be a really – big force uh, with a team like Phoenix where he's the fourth or fifth option. Um, so definitely keeping an eye on the Rockets and the Suns. I think they could be good trade partners. And then just tossing out Kelly Oubre um, because he's had some success here in the past and uh, could do so again uh, if, if a trade were to occur. Hey, Ross, I mean, you watch the Suns pretty frequently. What's the deal with Chris Paul? Has he lost something off his fastball? Is he just getting old, or is he just in a slump that he will kind of pull himself out of? Sorry to throw a curveball at you there. No, you're good. <laughs> I think he, I think he certainly has uh, lost a step. Unfortunately, uh, hope that's not the case for Suns fans because they desperately need him to have any hopes of returning to even a Western Conference Finals with how tough the West is. Um, but he was out this past injury. Uh, two to three weeks longer than first expected. He told the media, don't worry about it. I'm fine. Well, I'm worried about it because he's back now. And, uh, you know, he just doesn't look the same out there. Um, and, and maybe he's still trying to get going and wipe off some of that rust. But I've got major concerns about Chris Paul moving forward. Uh, they need to continue to limit his minutes. And uh, his usage the past couple of years has been insane. It's been off the charts how much he had been used. And I think it's really just kind of catching up to him. Roby, what do you think of Chris Paul? I think, well, I, I'll take a wait-and-see approach just because okay. he had been injured. And he he is slowing down. There's just no way you know, around it. It's, it was going to happen. Um, I didn't – I think he was one of the ones that was really upset with what happened the other night. He got frustrated with the, the whole uh, Williamson dunk at the end. I think he was – one of those leading the uh, charge, if you will. 
yeah. opposing that. Uh, he's going to be the guy that, honestly, that brings them back. If they're going to make a run, if they're going to come back and be the team that we think they can be, age or no age, he's got to be the guy. It's his game. It's his last go-around for a chance to really do it. And who else on that team is going to step up and do it? Mikel Bridges is a really nice player, but he's not a superstar. DeAndre Ayton got paid like a superstar, but he's not really a superstar. Devin Booker is. Yep. A book needs Chris Paul. I think he doesn't need Chris Paul with him, but it really makes him a tough team when the two of them are at their top. Book has been pretty much good all season. Chris Paul's got to match that. Yeah, Devin Booker definitely in that MVP conversation as of now. It's very warranted. Uh, he's had an incredible year, has stepped up big time for the team, but you know it sometimes just falls short not having enough help around him. Um, which I think they'll be active here soon. James Jones will be smiling and dialing, looking for some deals uh, with some of the assets they have. Um, hey, by the way, he, real quick, uh, Bruce, you mentioned yes. the Lakers, how they need perimeter shooting, and they do. It's Everything you said was correct. They had the guy, and they just let him walk to San, Sacramento and, and Malik Monk. He only shot 39% last <laughs> year on threes. Who would, why would they need somebody like that coming off the bench and draining threes? They just let him walk. There's all kinds. There's all kinds of former Lakers out there that you know that that could shoot better than what they got there now. I mean, how about Brandon Ingram? Of course, that got them Anthony Davis. It got them a chip a couple years ago. So it's hard to second guess. To your point, they're going to have to make a trade and give up something good of value to get something they had. And who do you even want? Who do you even want on their roster besides Davis and LeBron? They're not getting traded. It's always it's always a first round pick. They don't want to give give up their picks. Yeah, I, like five years. It's like, right, 27, yeah, 23. I mean, like, you know, LeBron will be, well, LeBron will be in his 29th season probably by then. But uh, no, I mean, yeah. you know, they're a, they're, a, they're a dumpster fire, boy. I'll tell you, the way they melted down at the end against Boston the other night was very, very uh, inspiring they're waste, for they're Boston They're wasting fans. an MVP season by AD. They're wasting an MVP season. MVP right. type season. You're right. And one last thing on Malik Monk. I mean, I think he took it as a slap in the face that he didn't get a contract from the Lakers this offseason. I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but he's wearing a Band-Aid right across his face now. I think that was the slap from not getting any type of contract to return to the Lakers this year. So yeah, by the, I way, think the, he's Kings to... only, the Kings are only a top 10 offense this year. What, what would the Lakers need with somebody who can be a spark like that? <laughs> I think it's a I think it's an underlying message from Malik wearing that band-aid this year. You know, it was a slap in the face not to be uh invited back to to LeBron's Lakers uh group. So um <laughs> we'll we'll see there. But moving on here, uh let's talk about another team in LA. They're kind of the uh second fiddle most of the time, uh, but they're they're slowly and quietly on the rise, headed in the right direction, climbing the ladder. Um, the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh Bruce. Uh, any anything on uh, L.A. and have have you been noticing the Clippers uh, moving up the uh, standings? Well, yeah, I mean, again, as was the case with the Knicks, they're they're good on the road, eight and seven. All right, uh, they're number six right now in the West. They've won three in a row. They're eight and two when Kawhi Leonard's played. Okay, um, and they're nine and eleven without him. Um, PG thirteen has been pretty steady for them, um, and. They really have a nice guy coming off the bench. You might have heard of him. His name is John Wall. 
What a great luxury. What a great, like, you know, explosive guy to come off your bench. Uh, and very quietly, Ivica Zubats, he's averaging almost 11 rebounds a game. He started all 30 games. He's been the, their most consistent guy, really, if you think about it. He's always in double figure on rebounds. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, as the, the second fiddle is not really the second fiddle right now in L.A., yeah. world B., it, it won't be second fiddle when playoffs come. I'll tell you that. Unless things <laughs> turn around for the other Lakers team, they'll, they'll be looking, they'll be sitting watching the Clippers. Uh, their defense is, is right up there with the best, uh, which it should be when you have some of the players they have. They're just getting PG, Paul George, and uh, Kawhi healthy. And they came back the same day, that December 5th game. Now they're, they're all getting a rest in Thursday's game. Everybody's taking the night off. Just as what a slap. Everybody. What a, what a slap in the face to the Suns. It's like, you know as what? A, we'll just beat you with our second team because you guys stink right now. It worked for it worked for Brooklyn that we'll mention here in a few minutes. But they, they did the same thing last week and did just fine. But, I mean, when they get Paul George and Kawhi on the court together, their defense is as good as it gets. They're, only, they're barely giving up a point per possession. When the when the two of them are on the court together, now they're not on the court all the time because of injuries and stuff. But their offense really has been a problem from the start. They came into the season with all these great shooters, perimeter shooters that we thought were going to be outstanding, and they're just now starting to shoot a little bit better. It's been really bad for much of the season, but when they get those guys healthy, they can be they can be up there with the best of them in the West. I, I totally believe that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, will be, but that's a huge if. I think my biggest thing with this team, they've got the names. I mean, no question. You look at their roster, even the common NBA fan probably knows half of them, Batum, Wall, Kennard. I mean, they got the names, um, but the big if is can they get them all healthy at the same time? And that has been their biggest problem. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard haven't even played 10 games together this season. Uh, Norman Powell is now out. He's out for another week, I think. So I, I just feel like they keep just uh, changing the guards here of uh, who's sitting out, who's available, who's injured, who's not. Can they really bring it all together and uh, you know have a cohesive unit and really get the gelling you need in the regular season to step up in playoff time together and uh, you know be in fluid motion? That that's my biggest concern, Bruce. You've probably seen, seen some teams like this in the past with the Celtics um, back in their heyday. Uh, of having the Ray Allens, Kevin Garnett's. What do you think about just having the names, but maybe not having them all on the same page? If they're not on the same page, then they're going to all be sort of out for their own best interests. And that is uh, not going to be good for any team. I mean, um, you want to, you want these guys to take good shots and you want them to share the ball. Uh, and I think, you know, Ty Lue's a good coach. I think, you know, he's got a championship. So if, you know, he's he's inclined to do the right thing and try and get those guys to kind of buy into the whole team concept. So um, I think I think the, the Clippers best basketball is still going to be in front of them. I agree. And I think Ty Lue's a great coach. He's a guy if you're going to have somebody to write this ship and keep it steady until everybody gets healthy and everybody's ready to go. That's a great coach to have. I think I'm a big Ty Lue fan. Uh, they are ridiculously better offensively when Paul George is on the court as opposed to off. They score about 10 more points for 100 possessions when he is on the court than off. But when Kawhi is on the court, 
it's almost 13 points better that they're holding teams down defensively per 100 possessions than when he's off the court. So they, they desperately need both of those guys as healthy as possible, as rest, which doesn't mean they should just take nights off like tonight, just randomly. Things are going so well. Why It took you forever to get on the court. Why are you just taking the night off? I understand rest. I understand keep them healthy. But, I mean, come on, we're in December. It's mid-December. Who cares? Get Get on the court. Hey, Ross, if the Clippers beat the Suns with, like, none of their good guys playing, people are going to be, like, you know, committing suicide in Phoenix, I think. They're going to be like, what? Yeah, no, that would be a, a tough L when uh, Suns desperately need to get back to their winning ways, and uh, it, it hopefully should start tonight. I mean, they're getting uh, a cakewalk-type roster of the Clippers, um, but a guy, that, guy to watch out for in that game. Uh, who's going to get some minutes tonight, Brandon Boston Jr. I'm a big fan and big believer uh, in that young offensive force and uh, can't let him get going. So he'll probably come off the bench for the Clippers, uh, keeping an eye on him tonight and getting excited to, uh, you know, see what he can do out there on the floor tonight. But, uh, yeah, would not be good for Suns fans if uh, they take this L after just losing to the Houston Rockets, another very young team, not looking to make the playoffs this year. But let's go ahead and shift our focus to another second fiddle, little brother team in New York. You know, we discussed the Knicks, but very quietly here as the dust has settled from all the media, negative media that they've gotten you know, earlier on this season, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets have started to find their stride. They're starting to climb the standings as well. Bruce, what do you got for me with the Brooklyn Nets and, and what they're up to right now? It's hard for these words to actually pass through my lips, but they're playing really good defense. <laughs> they yeah. become a really good defensive team. I mean, they, they're tied for fourth in the league with the aforementioned Clippers in opposing field goal percentage, which, again, we said earlier when we are talking about the Knicks, what an important defensive stat that is. They're, you know, in the top third of the league as far as fewest points allowed. Um, and they've won eight, eight, eight out of their last nine. I mean, ever since they kind of got Kyrie Irving back from his, whatever you want to call it, uh, suspension uh, for reasons we all are aware of, um, the team is nine and three since he returned from the suspension. Okay. Um, he's playing well, averaging 25, shooting almost 48%. But they actually started playing a little better before he came back because during his suspension, they were five and three, right? So it's not like the bottom dropped out on them. So uh, they're very fortunate in that they have, you know, Kevin Durant has just been an absolute stalwart for those guys. I mean, he's playing almost 37 minutes a game. I don't know where that ranks him among the league leaders, but I mean, it's up there. I mean, 36.7 minutes is a lot of minutes, particularly for a guy his age. He's shooting. He's 34 years old. He's shooting almost 56% from the floor. So, uh, and and Nick Claxton has been really good for those guys too. Uh, he's actually leading the entire league in field goal percentage. Granted, he mostly dunks and shoots layups, but he's shooting over 73% from the floor. So he's pretty efficient, and uh, he's averaging almost nine rebounds. So uh, I think once he cut off his blonde hair and <laughs> became, because last year. <laughs> When, when when his blonde locks were flopping around, he didn't look as 
fearsome as he does now, where he's kind of, you know, a little bit shorter cropped. He actually looks a little bit meaner out there, even though he looks like he weighs about 130 pounds. But uh, he's balling for those guys. They're climbing up quietly in the East. And, uh, you know, it's 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 neck and neck with them and the Knicks, you know. Who owns the city right now, Mike? Well, first of all, I love Ross's description of them as second fiddle. Uh, I think I should get a T-shirt that says that for the for them. But <laughs> even no matter how well they do, um, they're they're playing great. They're four in a row, eight out of nine. Uh, and to Bruce's point, ever since they you know even back when they got Harden and they formed their own version of the Big Three with Kyrie and KD and Harden, it was always about the defense with that group. They were only going to go and they couldn't play defense, so they didn't go as far. Um, they just the other night beat the Wizards held them under a point per possession. First time they've done that in a month. And to your point, Bruce, they're playing. They, it wasn't too long ago. About a month ago, they were 22nd, bottom 10 in defense, defensive efficiency. And since then, they've been a top 10 team on defense. With the offensive capabilities of this group, Joe Harris shooting threes helps, getting better, you know, getting healthier and being able to shoot threes. Uh, Seth uh, – Seth Curry um, – Patty Mills. Curry. Pat, yep, Seth Curry, Patty, Patty Mills. Mills. I was thinking Patty Mills. Uh, you know, these guys got to pick it up and they're starting to, and now all of a sudden their offense gets better. And then it's a matter, of, like you said, can they play the defense? If they can, they got the offensive firepower to uh, contend with anybody in that, in that conference, even the Celtics, if they don't pick it up, you know, they don't keep up with their pace. Yeah, Brooklyn was really picking up some steam here, getting some forward momentum. And they just got another forward back. We have failed to mention here. He's been out almost two seasons, so don't blame you for not uh, remembering to bring him up. But T.J. Warren's back. T.J. Warren is an exceptional scorer, one of the best college uh, scorers. Uh, him and Doug McDermott were battling, duking it out for the uh, scoring title in college. He had a fine young career with the Suns and an insanely good bubble season with the Pacers. And this is a guy that can come in off the bench – and he can score really without the basketball. You know, he's always cutting. He's, he's, he's rebounding on the offensive end for putbacks. Uh, and he's really starting to show some, some signs defensively. He had a big stop the other night uh, on the perimeter. And uh, looking forward to seeing what T.J. Warren can do. But they just got another weapon back uh, that can help that second unit. And Cam, Cam Thomas, another young guy that known for scoring in college, he, he's helped pick up the, the load when – Kyrie was out and and when Duran is on the bench and they're 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 fun to watch. All of a sudden they're a fun team to watch. I, I don't think we could have said that earlier on this season. Um, well, but I definitely got my eye on them. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the guys for them that is really sort of floated a bit under the radar, but but is definitely a glue guy for them is Royce O'Neal. I mean, you talk about a dog. Royce O'Neal's a dog. I mean, you know, he he gives a team a kind of a, a P.J. Tucker sort of a toughness. He he can make some shots, but he's mostly just, you know, a, kind of a gritty guy that, you know, you need those kind of gritty guys on your team. So a little uh, few props here for Royce O'Neal. Yeah, and, and you got to you guys got to remember that was a, a very, very strange trade. That's that's the way we were told about the Royce O'Neal. Brian Windhorst uh, reported to that trade and said it was very, yeah. very, very strange. So. Uh, he's been a great addition to that team. That was a great pickup uh, by Sean Marks. And uh, Jacques Vaughn's got these guys playing extremely well.
All right, and we are back, and uh, let's try to help make you guys some money here. So uh, we're going to talk a little bets here. World B, I know you're my guy with the betting. Bruce will definitely take your expertise as a hoops junkie as well. Uh, we're going to focus in today on three-pointer parlays. It's something that I've started to do a little bit more here recently, of course, with the style of play these days, um, the pace of play and the volume. Uh, that that teams are shooting threes. Uh, World B, what are some of the top teams you would recommend uh, placing three-pointer parlays on? Who, who's shooting the most threes in the league? Well, the important thing here is it's not just how well they shoot the three, it's how often you shoot the three. Because the Nuggets are one of the best shooting teams from three-point land in the league, but they take some of the fewest. So you're not going to get a whole lot, you know, if you're trying to do an over-under on how many threes, you're not going to do very well no matter how well they shoot. Uh, teams you want to look at, in terms of getting most attempts, Dallas, Golden State, Boston, Indiana, and uh, and Utah. Utah is always up there. Their philosophy, you thought maybe it would change when Quinn Snyder left. Their philosophy had always been take a, take a bunch of threes. They were challenging the old Rockets for most uh, highest percentage of your attempts that are threes. They're the top five. Those are the top teams in terms of percentage of attempts that come from three-point range. You know, when I watch my beloved Celtics play, they've just been living on three-point shooting because they have four guys that are shooting better than 40% on threes. They've got Malcolm Brogdon. They've got Al Horford. They've got Grant Williams. And they've got Sam Hauser, who's kind of come out of nowhere this season and become a really key guy off of their bench. So I don't know if the parlays really – involve total threes in a game for a team. I mean, I guess that's one of the ones you can do, but I would almost look at Boston just about any night, particularly when they're playing at home. Yeah. I'm relieved to hear some of world B's uh, lists for the, the teams to look out for when it comes to those bets. My two favorite teams to bet uh, three point parlays this season has been the Boston Celtics. Tatum's always good for two. Grant Williams is good for one and Marcus smart. Uh, typically always good for one as well. And if I'm feeling crazy, I'll throw Jalen Brown in there, but he's been a little bit more inconsistent from outside. But just those first first three names, Williams, Tatum, and Smart can usually get you plus money. And then the second team was the Dallas Mavericks. Dorian Finney-Smith, good for one to two a game. Luka is going to jack up a ton, so you're going to get a, a lot of bang for your buck there. Always got him for two. And then Tim Hardway Jr. has put together a nice – consistent uh, last 10 games for them. And he's starting to get um, some more opportunities to shoot the basketball. So like throwing Timmy in there. Keep an eye on Hardaway though, because he has the last few games, he has fallen off a little bit. He got moved to the starting lineup. To your point, Ross, he got some really more opportunities, more minutes, more threes. But the last few games, he's kind of fallen off. So if you're looking at, at him, I would say just keep an eye out for him. You heard it uh, from World B here first. Keep an eye out on him. Gentlemen, do we have any other final thoughts here for this edition of 48 Minutes? Well, um, I think we're going to go into overtime this week, Ross, right? We're going to go into OT and talk a little bit about what's coming up this weekend, right? Yeah, absolutely. We can definitely do a little lightning round here with a weekend preview of the top matchups. World B, do you have one in mind, Uh, a matchup this weekend that you're looking forward to? Yeah, well, um, it's I don't know if it's under the radar, but uh, the Jazz and the, and the Bucks will meet. Uh, 
quietly, the Jazz, despite getting rid of you, we thought they were just going in the tank. Well, not not quite. Uh, they're one of the top offensive teams in the league. They're number four in the league, right where they usually are among the top. And they're going up against a Bucks team, which until tonight, until Thursday, <laughs> had been the best team in the league defensively. So it's a good challenge you know, for the Jazz and the Bucks maybe a, a little ticked off after what, what they're dealing with tonight. What do you mean? They're only down 43 with six minutes left in the yeah. fourth quarter. I mean, you know, 130 to 87. So yeah, uh, I think I see Junior Bridgman in the lineup for the Bucks. So. <laughs> hey, the, so Ross, the game I'm looking at for Saturday night is uh, the uh, Pelicans and the Suns as the feud continues. I mean, New Orleans is occupying the penthouse in the West right now. Phoenix thought they'd be there. Uh, they are not. Uh, and there's that little matter of Zion's windmill dunk at the end of the game the other day. So I'll be interested to see uh, if if uh, they go into Phoenix in a hostile house and kick some more butt. I think you're probably expecting them to do that because you've been on New Orleans all season long. But uh, I'm looking forward to that one. That'll be a fun one to watch. Yeah, a little bit concerned about the Pelicans injury report right now. Uh, Jose Alvarado uh, has been out. Definitely want him back just to spice things up in Phoenix. I mean, he'll definitely uh, get the Boo Birds once he's uh, at the footprint center for that game. And then Brandon Ingram remains out. They just got C.J. McCollum back. But um, as I've mentioned off air to both of you guys, I think the Pelicans are one of the deepest teams in the league. Uh, every position, they've got some firepower. So that should be a fun one. That You kind of stole my pick there, Bruce. But another game that I was looking at as well as a backup, uh, the Nuggets at the Lakers. Uh, that should be a fun one. Lakers playing, obviously, some better ball. Had a great overtime game against uh, the Celtics. Fell short, um, but as we, we mentioned earlier on the pod, uh, we'll be uh, stating that Anthony Davis having an MVP-type MVP season. Uh, LeBron James uh, looking to get back on track with his team at home, and they got to capitalize on those home games. Um, and then I got to give a shout-out to Jokic and Gordon. Both those guys right now are top 12 in field goal percentage. Jokic at 63.4% and Gordon at 61.3%. Not only are they only are, are they the only pair of uh, teammates in the top 12, but they're the they're also the only two players in that top 12 that have that attempt over two and a half three pointers a game. So they're both balling right now, especially Aaron Gordon. He's putting together a tremendous season. Here's a note on on Jokic. I told you at the top about Steph, how they yep. were scoring 19 more points per 100 possessions with him on the court as opposed to off. Well, there's one player, only one player that is, uh, has a bigger differential, and it's Jokic. It's 21, almost 22 points more when he is on the court per 100 possessions than when he's off. That's ridiculous for a team that's that good, that talented, to have him that valuable. You know, his numbers are – not as dominant, not as what we're used to seeing, but he's also shooting the lights out. Absolutely. So we got some fun games on the horizon uh, this weekend. We'll definitely be tuned into those, and uh, we will be back next week. But that will do it for today, folks. Uh, before heading out, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Drop us a comment or question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show. Uh, Bruce World B and I will have you – uh, covered all things NBA hoops this season, and we appreciate you tuning in to this edition of 48 Minutes, and we'll be back with you next week right here on Believe.